You are tuned into Local Motion here on 91.3 WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel under Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR, because then you'll never miss anything about guests and all that good stuff that we have going on here. And today, thrilled to get on the phone. Cindy, you with me? I am with you. How are you? Oh, my gosh. So nice to have you here. I always love having you on the show. So let me do a brief intro because, you know, I love doing these. And um, and you're good at it. So I'm going <laughs> to let you do it. I'm not going to do it. You're the pro. I'm going to do this <laughs> lovely intro and start out by saying Dobro, lap steel and steel guitar musician Cindy Cashdollar is the recipient of five Grammy Awards. She has performed and or recorded with countless musicians, including Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, Dolly Parton, Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, Marsha Ball, Rory Block, to name only a few. She spent many years as part of the group Asleep at the Wheel. Cindy was the first female to be inducted into the Texas Steel Guitar Hall of Fame in 2011, and she was also inducted into the Texas Music Hall of Fame in 2012. She has several area performances coming up that we'll discuss during this conversation, and a heartwarm welcome back to Local Motion, Cindy Cashdollar. Thanks. So you always you always do the best intros. I love. <laughs> I, should tape, I should tape it. <laughs> I love doing the intros because it's like just a really brief synopsis of this wonderful and amazing a person that you are. See, I think of you first as a person instead of a musician because I just think you are a fine human being all the way around. And second of all, of course, needless to say, the talent that follows is absolutely extraordinary. So, um, that's, well, thank you. I'm going to take that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, thanks so much, but it's, it's, <laughs> That's just how I think of you, you know, so that's how I think of you. So, Cindy, you got so many great things going on, so many good stuff happening. We always have to back up a little because you're typically on maybe once a year. But, you know, I know the biggest question you get asked is, is Cash Dollar your last name, your real last name? Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm going to put it on my headstone, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's... uh, it's a local. It's a local name. It's yeah. an old Woodstock family name, and um, you know it's it's very odd that that uh, you know both myself and, and my brother Russell are you know are in the field of music, and and of course people think it's a made up name, and I don't blame anyone for thinking that. Right. Right. But, you know, it's it's kind of a a help and a hindrance. You know, people do remember it, but at the same time. You know, people, a lot of people, like I said, understandably, don't believe it, don't take it seriously. And, and of course, why would you make up, you know, if you were to make up a name, it's, it's, it's a bit silly, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a bit. So, yeah. um, but I have met other cash dollars over the years, and I know there's a lot in Pittsburgh, and there's a cash dollar cove in Tennessee, and there's some out west, and um, I haven't done the, you know, 23 and Me and any of those uh, searches, 
but uh, you know, at some point I will. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And um, yeah, you're right from Woodstock, so you're you know you're you're as local as they get here. And um, I understand your your great uncle was the town supervisor and also ran the uh, the Locust Grove Dairy. So you've got longtime history here in the area. Talk a little bit, like so you went to like Woodstock Public School growing up. No, I didn't, and I just want to move back that, yes, my Uncle Robert was the supervisor. Much many, he was a man of many hats, but it was my dad, uh, Russ and I, dad's uh, Roger Cashteller, who uh, worked the Locust Grove Dairy that, that my grandparents had. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, and uh, that was in Wittenberg. Gotcha, gotcha. So where'd you go to school? So I went to school, uh, I went to a few, actually, um, and because we lived in Wittenberg, just a few miles outside of Woodstock, uh, we went to uh, a combination of Phoenicia Elementary when that opened, uh, the Bennett School, and then eventually Antiora. Uh, but, you know, when I was in kindergarten, and then uh, a couple of the early grades, I was in a one-room schoolhouse in Mount Tremper, wow. which is uh, now the firehouse. Wow. And uh, it was, you know, obviously very small classes. And I remember Van would come to deliver uh, the the hot lunches. So uh, yeah, wow. it was uh, it was rural, but yeah. it was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful way to grow up like that. Absolutely, you probably have some really great memories. Um, your your initial start with music. I know you started on the guitar, but like what? Was Russ on drums for, I mean, how did you guys even start playing instruments? When did music come into your world? Well, we both took lessons from Billy Fair, who was uh, quite a character and and, uh, and an artist. He, he was mostly known for his banjo playing, but he was not a, a bluegrass banjoist per se. He kind of had his own style. Uh, Van Morrison was a huge fan of Billy's. Um, but Billy was a, a folk artist um, from the city that, that moved to Woodstock and, and gave guitar lessons to make a living. So Russ and I both uh, took lessons from him. Very informal. He'd come to the house. Uh, it was all, you know, learned by ear. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that started. Wow. And then Russ eventually went on to drums. And uh, I eventually uh, went on to playing all slide guitars. Yeah. Slide guitars. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And growing up, I always love this story from you. Like when the bug hit you, like, oh my gosh, I must be part of this music and this whole scene. Talk about the first concert that I believe your mom took you to. Uh, Billy Fair uh, was uh, one of the performers in a concert at the Woodstock Playhouse. And I think I was around 12, 13. and, And we went because Billy was in it, but um, it was a benefit for uh, bluegrass musician John Hill, who I toured with in later years, but his house had burned down, and so it was a lot of, of the local musicians at the time, including Van Morrison, Happy and Artie Trom, uh, John Hammond Jr., um, and then Odetta, so it was, it was such a great night of music, and I it didn't really make me say, oh, I want to do this for living, because uh, quite honestly, I never set out to do that. But it did inspire me as such that I could just feel 
such an energy between the audience and the performers, and it was so exciting, and it was such a great night of music and, and hearing such a variety of music. And it just really inspired me to play and to also, um, you know, start investigating different styles of music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a concert for your first concert. I mean, wow, extraordinary. Um, you know, not too bad. <laughs> not too shabby for a first concert, that's for sure. So in high school, you were obviously playing at that time where you're like part of a band or anything like that or just kind of playing oh, at home? no. 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 I, I was just, just playing at home. You know, I, my favorite place to practice was a closet. <laughs> really? Could hear me. Really? And, uh, yeah, really. Wow. Um, I, I didn't want anybody to hear me. And um, But, I, you know, I spent a lot of time just listening to different types of music and trying to figure out things on records and, and trying to figure out the slide guitar. I wasn't quite sure what it was. But uh, I tried to apply it to the guitar, and I just didn't didn't have too much luck. But it was good to train my ear for trying to pick up on different tunings. I would be able to listen to a record, kind of figure out the tuning, change the guitar to that tuning. But, you know, it was all hunt and peck. And then uh, later saw a, a local fellow by the name of Ronnie Sutton, uh, playing Dobro in a in a bar that I was cocktail waitressing in, and uh, I asked him for lessons, and he was not giving lessons. He was still taking lessons from Charlie Ferrara, who was just a wonderful, talented local guy that worked at the cement plant in um, West Sargates. But he was a multi instrumentalist, and so he uh, was the one that came over uh, to the house and brought his Dobro and his old records and. Um, and so I stopped playing guitar and, and picked up the dobro. Wow, 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 that's incredible. And during this time, of course, growing up in Woodstock, I mean, we had some incredible venues there. Um, were you, you know, at that point, I mean, I don't think people got carded as much as they do <clears throat> today. Um, were you, like, going into, you know, Joyous Lake and Tinker Street and all those places? Or Oh, yeah. yeah. I was, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was great that mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't guarded, but that was, you know, really the best music college that anyone can ask for, especially uh, the Joyous Lake, which some folks might remember. It's a beautiful club in the center of Woodstock and, and uh, had so many name acts of so many different genres of music, but um, that's where I saw James Cotton, Willie Dixon, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, Tracy Nelson. Um, there was a group called Stuff that was incredible, and the middle group. So, so many artists there, and it really was just to be able. You know, I'd always try and sit in front so I wouldn't miss anything. Yes, but it yes. really was. Um, I I think not only that, but hearing you know the other live music from Happy and Artie Trom and Paul Butterfield and. A lot of, of uh, you know, the people that, that lived here in town and, um, you know, really became what I always call my, my the Woodstock sound, you know, because to me it was because they all lived there. That's what I used to call it. That's yep. what it seemed like. Yeah. Just one big one big sound that just kind of melded into play, you know, into one thing and, of course, the band. Mm-hmm. And it really was, uh, you know, it was all, when I think about it, it was, music before that overused <laughs> just 
descriptive, you know, term was was coined. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go over to New Pulse? New Pulse seemed to have had some really good acts there too. I think. Like I didn't. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I did not. Because I know Until Mingus played there, and just like a whole bunch of uh, crazy good people played. I think uh, part of SUNY New Pulse back in the day too. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, no. not too shabby, I not to it. leave Woodstock and just kind of see what you had there. Because um, yeah, no, just amazing, amazing musicians. I mean, when you get to see Levon, Rick, and you know Paul Butterfield, Happy and Artie, and just like a weekend, it's like what <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so just beautiful stuff. And then graduated high school and you were off to Nashville? No, I, I, uh, a friend of mine, Nancy, and I, um, we didn't want to do another winter. The day after graduation at Ontario, we got in her van. She was a year or two older than me and, and we moved to Fort Lauderdale. Uh huh. Um, sun and sand and, and uh, for some reason, I don't know why, we had it in our head, oh, we're going to go to, to uh, recording engineer school. Oh. It just seemed like a crazy good idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, of course, that didn't happen. And, you know, there was no plans in place. So right. we both ended up waitressing various places. I waitressed in a diner. We both waitressed at a, a, a country music bar called... I don't forgot what it was called, but I remember we had to wear like short denim shorts and cowboy oh, boots, and it was just disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but I did get into my, my first uh, band in Woodstock, because I was just playing guitar then. The uh-huh. Dover didn't come till way later. But I um, met these two fellows that played kind of Doc Watson-style uh, guitar, and, and so um we did this trio uh, happy hour right across from the beach in the main drag in Fort Lauderdale. It's a bar called Button. And uh, that was my first gig. Wow. And then I moved to Key West and then eventually moved back to Woodstock and got that waitressing job that I saw Ronnie Sutton playing Dobro at and, and, um, and, that was that. And that was that. Wow. And um, and Nashville came in also. Did you already have like a job when you went to Nashville with, with Asleep at the Wheel? Or when did all of that come in? Because I think oh. they, they were in Austin, right? So they were down in Austin, right? Asleep at the Wheel. That all happened a little later. Oh, that was much later. You know, I'm, I moved to Nashville. Had, again, no plans in place, which, which is really dumb. But, you know, it, it did work out in certain instances. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and it was 1992, you know, a lot of the live music venues just were not not in existence anymore. Um, I was touring with Leon Redbone, mm. but his, I was with Leon for five years, but his, his work was at that time just slowing down a bit. And so moving to Nashville, I think I, you know, just knew a couple of people and, um, but uh, just by chance, found out that Asleep at the Wheel was looking to replace their steel player. And I had just started playing steel. It was wow. really a hobby. Wow. You know, I was doing the dobro, doing the lap steel, and uh, the steel guitar, you know, bigger, more strings, more tunings, more necks. That came later, and it was really a hobby. But uh, I was a huge fan of Asleep at the Wheel. And... Um, so anyway, just found out that they were looking 
for a steel player, and it just so happened that, I mean, they were based in Austin, but right. they were coming into Nashville the next day Man. to tape a TV show. I love and this. And I knew where that I knew where that TV studio was. Uh, it was the Nashville Network, the TNN Network, which is no more. But um, so just went and saw where all the orange cones were, where the bus was going to park, and waited for them to pull up. And I had a demo tape and gave, you know, knocked on the bus door and asked to speak to their steel player and just said, is it true you're leaving, you know, quietly. Uh-huh. And he said, yes. So I gave him the demo tape to pass along. And it was it was a few months of a lot of phone calls. They were on tour. I was still working with, with Leon. But eventually, um, Ray Benson, the band leader of Sleep at the Wheel, had me fly down to Austin and meet him for lunch and and um, he he said he said all oh, your steel playing sounds like shit. Really? <laughs> he said your double playing. So, well, I was just starting, you know. Right. He said right. your double playing is pretty good. <laughs> and uh, so far, we've just auditioned people that have ended up being drug addicts and alcoholics and can't go along with anybody. Yeah. So I'll give you six months, wow. and that's what happens. So wow. you know. Eventually moved to had to move to Austin because they toured so much, could not fly back and forth all the time yep. from Nashville. But just a lot of hard work and practicing and lessons and just having to do it because you know just had to. You had you know? to. So the six months turned yeah. into like nine years for you with a sleep at the wheel. Yeah, almost time. Wow. Yeah, and I still work with them from time to time. I did their fiftieth. Can't believe it. Good for Ray Benson for keeping this band going. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and a very odd genre, you know, Western swing for people that aren't familiar with it. And it's not a garden variety music, really, but <laughs> it's really a, a, a musical melting pot of jazz and blues and country and big band. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's got it's kind of got its own sound, you know, and, and the band has a horn player and a piano player and a seven-piece band. So yeah. it, was, it was quite an education, but um, still Ray calls me from time to time, and, and I did do their 50th anniversary tour a couple of years ago and uh, did their first 50th anniversary album. I did a track with Ray and Willie Nelson and George Strait. Man, and, uh, wow. It was so fun. Wow. How cool is that? You know, Willie's still, what, 92 or something now, or 90? or Man. You know, there there is a study there in, in many ways, but there's a lot of mileage on that body. Yeah. And it still keeps going, and he is one of the most kindest, I think, individuals I've ever met in this business. Funny, um, just fantastic to work with. I've worked with him on a number of occasions. Um. And, you know, when you see his band, you know, unfortunately he had a, a few, you know, members pass in his band over the years. But people stay in that band for a long time, and, and there's a reason. Yeah. And it's because of him and how great a person he is and how talented and dedicated, you know. And I think it's incredible that he's still he's still going. Yeah, it really is. It's 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 just incredible. They, you know, really celebrated his 90th birthday there at the Hollywood Bowl or something. And and just to see him out there and that guitar, he, you know, could have any guitar on the planet. And that guy just has that 
beautiful character building guitar that's just like beat to crap, you know, and, and it's just, it's amazing how it sounds and how beautiful it is. And um, oh, I think it's the most abused instrument in the history of country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's like still playing like and I that's the only guitar I ever see him with. I mean, maybe he has other guitars, but I always see him with that beat up guitar. Does he have other? I'm guessing. Trigger. Yeah. yeah. Trigger. Yeah. He yeah. calls it trigger. No, I've never um, I've never seen him with another guitar. I don't know if other people have. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's nylon strings and he loves gypsy swing music. And you can really hear it. Uh-huh. Uh, hear the influence of that in in his playing a lot. I think yeah. he's a big Django Reinhardt fan. What what a beautiful soul, and we're so lucky to still have him amongst us and playing yeah. and out there and just living life. You know. So with Asleep at the Wheel, you have um, accumulated five Grammys. Um, did you go to the Grammys? Yes, and it was they're so fun. We we. Uh, not only went to the Grammys, but we played the after Grammy party, which was a blast because, you know, there was a lot of, obviously, a lot of country people at the Grammys and quite a few people like to come by and sit in. And uh, so we always had a great time. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Yeah. You're going to watch the Grammys this coming Sunday or do you not watch them anymore? No, I will be uh, I will be the alright, but I will be in Massachusetts doing a matinee show uh, with Jim. Uh, it's a tribute to Jim Claskin, who was kind of the uh-huh. the uh, champion of of jug music, as they call it, Jim Claskin's That's jug right. band, which had Maria Moldar in it and Bill Keith in it. Um, anyway, and Maria will be there. Uh, Sunday, where it will be in Walton, Massachusetts, at the Regent Theater. Wow. Um, but uh, that's what I'll be doing. Um, and I think there's an after party. So, no, I won't be seeing the Grammys that night, but no. I will. Yeah, you'll see time. some. Joni Mitchell's going to be performing for the Grammys. So. I saw that. Yeah. 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 yeah so that's yeah. Cool. I mean, the Grammys are it's quite a... It's, it's so... Um, my favorite part of going to the Grammys, and I... Uh, the first few ones I went to were still in New York City mm-hmm. um, at Radio City Music Hall. Ah. And I liked them better because they just seemed a little more manageable and intimate. I, I took my brother Russ one time, another time my dad came with me, and uh, it was so fun. But my, And then, of course, later on it moved to the Staples Center, now the Crypto.com Center oh in gosh. L.A. But um, my favorite part was just going out to the lobby at intermission or when people were coming in and just seeing all the people right. that came in. Right. Yeah. Cause you were a fan yourself like, sometimes, right. Of like some of the people. Oh yeah. yeah. It was like people watching on 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I love it. Um, any performer still alive that you haven't played with that you'd like to play with? Oh, I'm <laughs> sure there's done, but I, I get, ask that question often and I'm always have a blank brain. Uh I just, it's like ridiculous. I just all of a sudden can't think of anybody at the time. But you've played with so many. So it's probably great music. Yeah. 
Yeah, there really is. There really is. And I, I love the fact that you just kind of um, are so diverse and play with so many different kind of genres and just, you're, I don't know, you always seem to be out there having a lot of fun. You certainly have some great um, variety of shows coming up, of course, starting, you know, it's like hard to believe tomorrow's February 1st, right? So it's like, okay, that calendar switch. So, it's a bit scary. It's like someone's got a big giant finger on a giant fast forward button. Yes. But doesn't lift the finger off the fast forward button. Yes. And I can't, I know, I can't believe it's February. I know. It's like, what? You know, so quick. Everything just flies by nowadays. It's insane. So, so yeah, this weekend, February 4th, Arlington, Massachusetts, Regent Theater. That sounds like a great show. The Jim Kweskin Extravaganza. And then if I know correctly, you are going to be having some fun on Valentine's Day. Uh, the Valentine's Day Honky Tonk Heart Yes. <laughs> that will be finding it up in Kingston at the VFW uh, with the new original locals, which is Connor Kennedy, Will Bryant, Ben Morrison, Lee Falco. I'm sure there'll be some, some fun guests, but uh, we have such a great run doing shows, uh, you know, it's, it's vintage honky-tonk music, 50s and 60s, and it was Connor Kennedy's uh, brainchild of an idea, and he spent some time in Nashville and saw a lot of the, um, there was a thing going on in Nashville that's still going, a lot of studio musicians, you know, just wanted to play live gigs, but they didn't want to do all the usual touristy clubs, and so they started playing in a few VFW halls around Nashville. Love it. And it became like a, a thing, like an event that would be popular. So Connor decided, well, you know, maybe we should try this in Kingston. And the people there were wonderful and said, okay, why not? Yeah. And so it, it was only supposed to be for the month of April last year, and it lasted through October <laughs> until everybody all of a sudden start going on the road with different folks and and then winter's here and not very conducive sometimes to, to do that because you never know what the weather's going to be like. Right. But we are coming back just for this one night and it's Valentine's Day and we will have Barry Cocker uh, back with us again to teach some swing dance in Texas two stop at 6 o'clock. So much fun. And then we'll start the music at 7.15 and that's at 7.08. East Chester Street in Kingston. There is no website, but that is. And there are no tickets. You just go in at the door with a donation. And um, yes, yes. that's it. There's no, you don't have to buy tickets ahead of time. Um, There's plenty of free parking. Uh, It's a cash bar. And, uh, and uh, the music goes from 715 until about 10. And a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of people dancing and uh, it gets Packed there, absolutely packed. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's. I love watching the dancers. I love watching all the different people just having a great time. Really great time, and you had some amazing special guests during your however many long months uh, run that you had. When I was there, John Sebastian was there. 
and, um, you know, doing a couple Love and Spoonful songs. I think Brian Mitchell also sat in, and I don't know, you had a whole bunch of great people um, as guests um, as part of the Honky Tonk Wednesday. So February 14th, folks, Valentine's Day. Take your Valentine to the VFW in Kingston. I know that may sound odd to some of you, but it's a <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's worth You'll it. Either make or break your relationship. Yeah, make or break that first date. Yeah, exactly. But what a fun place to go! And uh, yeah, no, absolutely perfect. And then just a few days after Valentine's Day, you are one of the special guests at Bearsville Theater with the Weight Band on February seventeenth. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's a beautiful venue to play. I love all the people in the weight band, and uh, I know Randy Cervante will be there, Larry Campbell, Byron Isaacs, and uh, this all benefits the Levon Hill um, Memorial, Auntie Rose School Memorial Fund, yeah. High School Fund. And uh, it'll be a great show, and I'm sure there'll be some other guests pop again. Yes. But... Um, Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. February 17th. Um, Yeah, that's going to probably come close to selling out, if not already very close to selling out. The Bearswelltheater.com for tickets to the weight band with Cindy Cashdollar. And like she just mentioned, Randy Chalanti, Larry Campbell, Byron Isaacs. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's going to be a fun night for you guys. Um, And then the following week... Um, you're at the new venue in Saugerties, the local, as part of Saugerties Sessions with Toombs Dixon. I have not played the local. It, you know, I've heard it's beautiful. It's in an old church in Saugerties, and and uh, I love Toombs Dix- Dixon. I think it's such a great, versatile band, um, and so we're, we're looking forward to that. I know um, Jack and I will be doing a, just a few tunes as a duo in the middle of the show, so there'll be a little acoustic kind of thing going on. And um, uh, Jack Petrozelli. Yes. And uh, so, yes, so I know um, it's 50%, I think even over, actually, ticket sales are over 50, half sold out. So. Yeah, and it's a so, small um, venue. It holds maximum about 125. So, folks, if you haven't been, Saturday, February 24th, Saugerty Session at the local with Cindy Cash Dollar and Toombs Dixon. Um, I just had Jack Petroselli. He was my last guest of 2023. And my first guest of 2024 was Rich Pagano. So it was oh, like they, they felt like an Oreo, you know, like the sandwich of the, the bookends here. So so that was pretty, um, pretty cool how that worked out. I love that band, though. They just pick such great music to play from from a very specific era and um, just a lot of fun. And Man, are they talented. Holy moly, they're talented. Of course, Jack and Rich, part of the Fab Faux, you know, with Will Lee and um, and uh, Jimmy Vavino. So talented guys. And then, which is really cool, because one of the tracks of music that we're going to play in a few minutes is one of the tracks that you sent me, um, including um, Jack Petroselli on guitar, and it's with your friend Joan Osborne. You were part of this new album that was just released in February. Tell me about that the album Nobody Owns You? Well, first of all, I was it's, it's, I was mistaken. Jack is on a lot of tracks. Yes. Uh, but on that particular track, it's it's Ben Rice, the engineer and producer, who's playing guitar. Um, but 
folks, if you hear the rest of the record, you'll hear Jack is so tasteful. Yes. I just love his musical ideas. But that album, um, it's it's a very, uh, it's yet another to me stellar album by Joan Osborne. She always puts out such quality, incredible music. And this uh, album, I think in particular, is, is a very personal retrospective of a lot of landmark things that have occurred in her personal life over the past couple of years. And um, the writing just really has always got to my heart. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's just incredible songs on there. And I think the track you're going to play, um, to me, summed up just the kind of numbing uh, exhaustion that get, can come over the years from being on the road. Um, and I think the, the uh, lyrics in this song really sum up sometimes just what it feels like to tour and just kind of the, um, sometimes you just don't remember people that you've met or some shows that you've done. It's as amazing as a career as it is. I think she really captures sometimes the, the weary feeling that can occur when you are traveling. And especially when you're constantly on tour like you were with the sleep of the wheel, was there ever a night you were playing and you forgot what city you were in? Oh, a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so cliche, too. It's so embarrassing because, you know, people will go, where are you going tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> where were you last night? I uh, can't remember. Don't remember. But it really does happen, right. you know. Right. But aside from, from, from the song, So Many Airports by Joan, um, there were a lot of things that happened in her life, her, her daughter going off to college, um, her mother getting Alzheimer's. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of, of introspective things on this record that make it such a beautiful and also joyous. There, there's also joy in the record, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we played a few tracks of it when Jack was my guest on the show and just lovely, lovely album, really beautifully, tastefully done. And, uh, yeah, no, extraordinary, really. Um, the other music, the other track you sent is the, uh, Funk Wrench Blues, Ode to Lynn Tate. Fun. Yeah, that that was fun. I didn't know um, what, you know, I was sent the track, and, and um, Funk Wrench is, um, it's like a series of instrumental records, and for this blues record, they had so many, uh, it's like an ongoing project with so many different um, guitarists. And I was so honored. I felt very honored to be asked to be part of it. But when they sent the track, um, it was just kind of a, a, you know, sort of like a rock steady reggae rhythm section backing track. And they just said, do whatever comes to your mind. Um, you know, just, just come up with something. Uh, here's the key it's in. And, uh, you know, and that was it. I, I really had no knowledge other than just come up with something, just just play whatever comes into your head and then send it back to us. That gives you a lot of freedom, though, to make it sound however you want. Do you like doing it like that, or would you rather have something like a little more structured of like here, this and that, or, or what are your thoughts it about depends. it? It mm-hmm. depends. Mm-hmm. It really depends. It, it's I, th- I think that's a, it's all in the situation. That particular situation was, I wasn't quite sure when I first heard it, it's like, well, 
uh, you know, I guess this is, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I didn't even know what the other um, tracks on that project were going to be when all was said and done. That's wow. the only thing I heard. But it was recorded at Area 52 in Saturdays with Dave Cook. Yeah. And uh, Dave you, was You did a lot engineer. of work there. I love Dave. I love the studio. Uh, we have a lot of great studios in this area. But uh, we, uh, you know, through Dave's, you know, we sound and recording, we got the sound that we wanted. Oh. And um, so that's what that's all about. And Lynn Tate uh, was one of the early pioneers, which I found out later on when the record was released. And I thought, what is, oh, the, the track I did was called Ode to Lynn Tate. I mean, what's that all about? Right. Well, Lynn Tate was one of the pioneers of the kind of lock steady style of, of Jamaican uh, guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool when you're learning something, And if I had right? known it's... that, yeah, if yeah. I had, you know, if I had known that coming into it, I don't think I would have known quite what to do. Uh-huh. So it's kind of <laughs> so good I... that it worked out the way that it did. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love playing tracks from your last solo released waltz for Abilene. What an extraordinary, I mean, the friends of yours that you have joining you on this 13 track album. It, it's just the best of the best of the best. You've got Albert Lee, Rory Block, Sonny Landreth, um, Jake Langley, Derek O'Brien, Ray Benson, Mike Flanagan, Omar Kent, I mean, Arlen Roth, Amy Helm, of course, John Sebastian, Larry Campbell. I mean, hello, hello. Um, wow, just really beautiful. I know it took you a while to get it out there to the world, but I really enjoy playing it a lot. And it doesn't get old. It's just fresh each and every time. It's just really a beautifully done album. And I love that it's kind of done in pieces. Like, you know, you did some parts in Sargates. You did some in Austin. You you were kind of in Hollywood for some, I don't know, everywhere, you know. So I did. I didn't want to. And a lot of people said, why didn't you just, in the tracks, you know, just have everybody ever done, you know, just because that's a lot, a lot. And a lot of the work I do in the studio is uh, people send me tracks and it's so easy. You can just in one day, people can send you tracks to overdub on. They can send them from Ireland, you know, and, right. and you're there in the studio and do it and you just send them back through the internet. Right. But for, Walter Abilene record, I, I just did not want to do that. I like the energy that you can feel yep. when you're actually playing with the person in the studio. Yeah. And that is why I was in L.A. for a couple of the Albert tracks and and uh, went to Louisiana. I was on tour with Amy Helm, uh, I think, in the Pacific Northwest and had a couple of days off, so I flew to Louisiana did the track with Sonny Landreth and uh, on the two days off I had and then flew back to the West Coast to to join up again with Amy. Mm. And then the um, I think a, a three of the tracks were done in Austin uh -huh. when I started out. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it, there was, uh, it was a, a geographic puzzle. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's so much fun and so cool, and the quality of it is definitely worth doing it the way, you know, sometimes things take time, and this was just nice that you took your time and did it exactly the way you wanted to do it. You weren't rushing. Um, I do want to try to get to play the track um, from your friend with Omar Kent Dykes, who I understand just had a birthday. Yes, happy birthday, Omar. Omar he, Omar from Omar and the Howlers. People might remember. I know Omar, he's, he's uh, originally from Mississippi, a long time, Austin, Texas, blues artist that uh, toured all over the world, uh, remaining in Austin. And he, he uh, I just, he's such a joyous person. And I just really wanted to have him on this record. And that song was done in one take. Wow. And we just had so much fun. It wow. was all live. It was recorded in Austin. And uh, Sarah Brown is on bass. And uh, Derek O'Brien and Ray Ben. It's just Ray Benson on guitars. And it's just, it was just kind of magical the way it happened. And, and you can hear at the very end of it, you can hear someone giggling and it's Omar. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so sweet. That's really great. Yeah, it's a very heartwarming and just a really beautifully quality album. And uh, yeah, Waltz for Abilene, Cindy Cashdollar, uh, com. You're of course on social media and all of that stuff. I also would be remiss if I didn't say just a few days belated birthday to your husband, Harvey. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. We had a very nice birthday here with family, and Harvey uh, had a great gig on Saturday here in Woodstock at the Pearl Moon with his band Soul Patrol, which is just uh, great. You can't sit still, stacks Motown music, and uh, it was a great weekend, and thank you for for mentioning uh, the... The Superman husband, Herbie Citron. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. And go- or as my cousins call him, Mr. C. Aww. Hey, Joanne, and hey, Craig. Lots of love to, to you. Um, but yeah, Aww. we had a great weekend. Yeah, you guys are an adorable couple, and he's a very kind and gentle man. Every time I've met him, I'm always impressed by Harvey. And um, yeah. And it's just lovely. And I love the way he watches you perform. Like he's, I think, your number one fan and um, your roadie and everything. And it's just it's just so cute to, to watch him watch you. And um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see that. That's for sure. Um, Cindy, any plans of ever a book? Writing a book? A book. Yeah, writing a book. <laughs> I'm going a book, a book, because... My, my mother is always saying, you have to write a book. And, you know, I wish I had the memory of of a lot of people, but it, there's just so much that, that's happened, I don't think I could even put it into words. And, and actually today, I have a project due to submit uh, kind of a little essay for a current book about the band. And, um, it's really hard. I mean, when you start... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you ask any one person, no matter what they have done in their lifetime, to write a book, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the most difficult things that you can do. I, I mean, obviously, some people, it's very easy for maybe a few, select few, but wow, you know, it's it just seems so hard to, to sum things up 
right. in in a short amount of words, but make it interesting enough to keep people's attention. So well, I hope that you consider it at short some answer, point. The long answer to that question is no. <laughs> I will ever do. Yeah, you never know. Maybe somebody would like. If you'd like just talk and they, you know, transcribed everything for you, you don't know. You don't know. I think it would be kind of neat. And um, there's so many great people like Yorma that has a beautiful book out. And it's just, um, there's just so, you know, I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting. But anyway, food for thought, food for thought. Um, Cindy. Okay, well, thank you. I will, I will bank it. <laughs> bank it. Thank bank you. it up there. Um, I also just want to thank you so much for your time. And it's always great to have you on the show. I hope I get to see you out there um, playing soon. You've definitely got some great shows coming up here in the area. CindyCashDollar.com. Also Facebook, Instagram, and all that other great stuff. And definitely go out and see some live music. Valentine's Day at the VFW right in Kingston um, on the 17th with the Wait Band at Bearsville Theater um, and on the 24th in at the local with uh, Toombs Dixon and of course this weekend February 4th Arlington Massachusetts at the Regent Theater with the Jim Queskin um, extravaganza so I'm going to play some of the music that you sent me now and um, and just wish you all the very best my friend and, and thanks again for your time here today always a pleasure Oh, Rita, thanks. It's so great to, always great to be on your show. We, we all, I know, I'm speaking for a lot of people, love that you support all the local music going on, local live music in, in the Hudson Valley. So thanks so much for your show. And, and I always look forward to people coming out, saying hey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I hope, happy February to everyone. <laughs> happy February, safe travels out there, and um, and thanks again. Much uh, say hi to Harvey and give him a big hug, birthday hug, and um, I'll see you guys out there soon. All right, Rita, we love you. Thanks okay. so much. Love you too. Bye. Bye bye. 91.3 WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York, the lovely and talented Ms. Cindy Cashdollar. Let's play a track that she sent. This one is off Joan Osborne's newest album released in September of 23. The album is called Nobody Owns You. This is a track, So Many Airports, and it's featured today's guest, Ms. Cindy Cashdollar, here on 91.3 WVKR. All my life I'm searching for a home on every street Coming to your country for to lay down at your feet So full of the years I've lived, full of every day Every day Bringing all my moments I've got just one song to play So many airports, so many planes So many hotels, so many trains I won't recall the time that we met all of these memories I am starting to forget 
was a young girl, no, I wasn't very pretty. I was only real to the people that did love me. I sang to the maples. I sang to the willow tree. To the willow tree. I sang with the birds, and I thought they were like me. So many truck stops, so many nights, so many mirrors circled with lights. Every handshake. Every face, every moment is now gone without a trace. WVKR Joan Osborne, the song So Many Airports of her latest release called Nobody Owns You, featuring today's guest, Cindy Cashdollar. It's always a pleasure. If you missed part of that interview, we'll be uploading it tonight on the YouTube channel at a local motion on 91.3 WVKR. I'm not going to be here next week, and I will say that I'll be back in two weeks, which is Valentine's Day, and my guest will be Rachel Z. And um, her album is being released that day, so we're going to have a great time. Brand new music coming out from Rachel Z. On the 21st, we have Soren Song, no show on the 28th, and starting off in March, we'll start with Danny Melnick to talk about Saratoga Jazz Festival and the local. Congratulations to today's guest, Carolyn, for winning tickets for the Saturday show with Eleni Kay. We're going to go out, leave you out with a few minutes of In uh, uh, how many more years off Cindy Cash Dollars Waltz for Abilene here on 91.3? And keep it tuned right here where you're at with Dr. J. He'll start off the top of the hour here with Irie Groove. 91.3 WVKR. I wish you all peace.
raise up my right hand. 